This week, more on our mid-year outlook. Is the U.S. headed for recession? Here's what matters. Live from New York City, I'm Lauren Goodwin, and this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we bring you the best insights from across the New York Life Investments platform because we believe that by sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of July 18th, 2022. And today we're continuing our dive into the themes we presented in this year's mid-year multi-asset investment outlook, which was released last week. Today, as promised, we're tackling the second key question on investors' minds. Is the U.S. headed for recession? And as we've discussed in past episodes, growth in the U.S. has been very strong, but it is slowing at the margin from that strong base. So now that the main recovery economically from COVID is behind us, risks to growth ahead are rising. Julia, where in the data are you seeing the slowdown from a strong base that you just described? I would say the the top of mind area is the labor market. The U.S. has reached full employment by, by pretty much every standard. And accordingly, wage growth appears to be decelerating. The number of open jobs has stabilized, so it's stopped improving. And unemployment claims are just starting to trend slightly upward again. It's a very good point. We are also starting to see a potential accelerator of recession or recession risk in the Fed's policy approach. The market keeps hoping inflation will peak, but we haven't seen it yet. And in response, the Fed is raising interest rates, which contributes to slower economic activity and as a result can contribute to recession risk. It's what we'd call a hard landing. And frankly, it's been the most common outcome of Fed hiking cycles historically. Tightening without a recession is a difficult feat. Yeah, it absolutely is. And let me just pause us for a moment there on the mechanics of that. The Fed has some pretty blunt force instruments to work with, and those are interest rates, as we know, and also the size of its balance sheet. It's less talked about, but the Fed is is tightening that balance sheet right now. And when it hikes rates and when it trims its balance sheet, the Fed is aiming to lower demand in the economy on aggregate by making it more costly to borrow. And usually with a six to 12 plus month policy lag, those efforts do tend to succeed in slowing economic activity and bringing inflation down. That policy lag is a real kicker because the Fed doesn't get live feedback on the effect its policy is having. It needs to rely instead on leading, lagging, and concurrent economic indicators to try and assess this. But it's not possible to know with any certainty in the moment for the Fed or for investors. It's theoretically possible the Fed has already hiked too much, but we wouldn't know this until after the fact. Exactly. And this is why, as we discussed last episode, not even the Fed's own interest rate projections are actually that good at predicting the actual real policy rate path. Let's move back to the recession topic itself, because recession is a big deal, a big topic. It can be scary. And frankly, in this economic cycle, it's likely to be confusing. So I want to break our conversation into the three types of recession that are relevant for investors. Lay them on us, Lauren. Well, we can have recession in the economic data first. We can also have a felt recession, which we can describe, and then can also have a recession in investments or a recession that impacts investment policy. 
Why don't I start us off with some of that economic data? Great, because I think this is the more complicated one of those three. And for our listeners, what Julie is about to outline links back to our mid-year outlook, where we've built a framework to determine how close we are to recession. Definitely take a look at that. Exactly. So from that framework, we've seen a few recession indicators already happen. Those include pressure on equity valuations. I know we've all felt that one. Record low consumer confidence by a few measures, slowing job growth, as I mentioned, negative forward guidance from listed companies, and a fall in PMIs. Those are the purchasing managers indexes that tend to measure real-time business sentiment. But there are a few more indicators we would expect to see turn or change before a real recession hits. One that appears to be turning right now is housing. Mortgage rates have doubled in the past few months alone, and costs of building materials are very, very high. And this has resulted in a decline in sentiment regarding future home building and sales. I want to point out here that while housing or a change in the housing market is is a typical aspect of an economic cycle, the slowdown in housing or decline in house prices that we're describing in, in this economic cycle, and really in most economic cycles, don't mean a housing crisis of any kind, really, but especially of the kind that we saw in 2008. Household balance sheets are in much better shape now, as is the housing market generally. And rising mortgage rates don't impact folks with fixed rate mortgages, which is the majority of U.S. mortgages right now. You know, Lauren, I'm so, so glad that you made that point. It's a really excellent point. And I think that Americans might need a little bit of that, that reality check and that comfort because we're so sensitive to any mention of a housing slowdown given the, the global financial crisis experience. But when we step back to the general recession discussion and combine all of this data, our team has a quantitative model that analyzes all of those economic indicators around historical recessions. And right now, it is pointing us to a nearly 50% probability of a recession occurring in the coming 12-month period. And that probability rises to 77% for the coming 24 months. Those chances sound pretty high, but we continue to see recession as a 2023 risk rather than an imminent certainty for 2022. Yes, but we have to discuss a wrinkle in that story, Lauren. Oh, you're right. Enter the Atlanta Federal Reserve. This branch of the Federal Reserve System has what's called a nowcast, sort of like a forecast for the present moment, because as we know, data, including GDP data, tend to come out after the quarter's already over. And this particular nowcast or indicator gathers a multitude of economic data and uses it to generate a current estimate of GDP. And right now, it's suggesting that the economy contracted in the second quarter. And this matters so much because the U.S. economy already contracted in the first quarter of this year. So what that means is that if we get another contraction in Q2, if the nowcast turns out to be correct, that would point us into a technical recession when we define it as two consecutive quarters of a growth contraction. So if the Atlanta Fed is correct, it means that we have already had a recession for the entire first half of this year without even necessarily knowing it in the moment. So time to panic, time to run for the exits. I'm glad that we're addressing this because, first of all, it just illustrates why this first area of recession, the recession in economic data, can be so complicated. But second, I'm glad we're addressing it because we can provide a bit of a calming note here. The first quarter GDP contraction was due to the U.S. trade balance, which was large and negative, meaning we were importing more than we were exporting. 
chalk this up to strong demand and also corporate inventories being a little out of whack from the pandemic. Nothing we didn't already know. And very similarly, any growth contraction in Q2 would be due to similar drivers because we've not seen otherwise a broad-based contraction in consumer demand. That actually is very comforting. There, there could be a recession in the background as we speak, but we still have that full employment. What we consumers are feeling on the day-to-day is not that contraction in growth, but actually the rise in inflation, the rise in prices. And so even though that balance in terms of what we're all feeling on the day-to-day is likely to shift in the coming 12 to 24 months, we are not there yet, and it's too early to allocate accordingly. All of that is just what the economic data is telling us. But you bring up a really good point, Julia, and that and that aligns very much with the the second type of recession that people care about or we should care about, which is a felt recession. And so I want to push back a little bit and say that while yes, employment is still very strong and yes, wages are growing, they're not keeping up, at least on aggregate, with inflation. And so regardless of what the data are saying, this might feel like a recession for many households. It is such an important point, Lauren, and it can also create its own negative cycle. The sentiment can actually start driving the reality because when people feel more worried about their finances, they're more likely to cut back on spending and other activity. So that is where the data is a bit more encouraging in that we are still seeing economic reopening. And it means that people are still getting out in the world, taking those vacations, going to restaurants, despite that higher expense. But we do acknowledge that that sentiment, which is really the carryover from pandemic recovery, could change soon. Okay, that's helpful. And so yes, while this environment could feel recessionary, we still haven't seen that balance tip over in favor against the consumer just yet. Finally, then getting into the last type of recession we should discuss, this one has to do with investments. Yes, and we're we're already there by many measures. The S&P 500 and other major U.S. equity indices are already in a bear market, which marks a recession of sorts. It's true. But the main thing I want to mention is that investing for recession, and I put that in air quotes, is likely to look different in this cycle than the last one. Traditionally, risk-off strategies such as treasuries, cash, high-grade bonds, those can create a drag on total return when inflation is already high. Coming up next, and in case you've been missing our portfolio pauses in these last couple of weeks, fear not. We will next have one big portfolio pause on the podcast where we take all of these ideas around volatility, Fed hawkishness, recession risk, and combine them into our top conviction, actionable takeaways for how to invest in this environment. But that's it for today. We'll be back next week for more Market Matters. In the meantime, please remember to give us a like, a follow, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on LinkedIn. You can also follow our views at newyorklifeinvestments.com and click the Insights tab. Until then, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Julia Herman. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamats and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I will now read our disclosures from compliance. 
Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which may vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific date, is subject to change, and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or adopt any investment strategy. There's no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with New York Life Insurance Company. Securities are distributed by Nylife Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. Nylife Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.